This is episode 351 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are Four Traditional Survival Shelters You Can Make Without Tools and Conflicted, Out-of-Control Family Member, What Would You Do? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. It's time to finally advance your preparedness goals. Get the ebook and join the forums. Go to microbiz.biz for more information or click the link in the show notes. Hey, so let's go ahead and jump right into this first article. It comes to us from thepreppingguide.com. And this is a great little primer on uh, survival shelters that you can build. And so I, I thought it did. A, you know, most of the time when you're looking at articles uh, or I'm linking to articles on Prepper website uh, like this, a lot of the times they're videos uh, or there's a lot of pictures. I think this one does a, a pretty decent job of uh, describing it in words, so that, um, that way I feel comfortable reading it on the podcast. And so I wanted to go ahead and share this one with you. Again, it's called Four Traditional Survival Shelters You Can Make Without Tools. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. One of the most basic and important survival skills you can learn. Seeking shelter should be your first priority in almost any survival situation. But if you are caught in the wild with nothing, would you know how to make a survival shelter? You will after reading this. While the human body can, in extreme circumstances, survive three days without water and three weeks without food, it can only survive three hours without shelter in bad conditions or even just a few minutes in freezing water. It is the role of whatever shelter you can improvise with your survival skills to protect you from the elements, extreme temperatures, and help you survive beyond those three hours. But before we dig into the sticks, palms, and leaves of survival shelters, what is the first line of defense against extreme temperatures? It's what you're wearing right now. The clothes on your back are the first defense against the extremes. Before building a shelter, though, it is important to remember that your first line of defense from the elements is your clothing, which you should select carefully when heading outdoors into potentially hostile environments and unpredictable weather. It is entirely possible that you will will be dressed completely inappropriately for a survival situation when it arises. Perhaps you will need to rush out of your home in your pajamas or underwear with nothing but a bug out bag or get stranded in the woods on your way back home from a fancy meal with your significant other while wearing a dinner suit. In these situations, it is important to ensure you have a change of clothes as well as equipment such as space blankets, blizzard bags, or alternative shelter types in your bug out bag or car kit. The type of clothing can help you in extreme weather. Let's start with your shoes. While these might not traditionally be considered in the topic of survival shelters, they do indeed protect your feet from the elements, and keeping your feet healthy is very important especially if you have to self-extract from an emergency or in a very cold conditions and want to protect yourself from frostbite. Warm protective footwear. 
Boots or shoes which do not protect you from moisture or which are too tight, for example, will very soon lead to frostbite in your toes and footwear which is not breathable and traps moisture against your skin in damp and humid conditions can lead to or exasperate conditions such as trench foot and fungal infections. Additionally, appropriate footwear helps you walk or run on uneven or sharp surfaces and protect your feet from broken glass debris, and other dangers you might encounter in an emergency. This doesn't necessarily mean an expensive pair of boots is necessary, just a comfortable pair of shoes that will keep your feet dry and warm and which won't give you blisters if you need to do a lot of walking. If you can't afford to go to the length of putting a strong pair of good boots aside for your kit, that would be even better. To help your feet stay comfortable and warm in boots in cold conditions, a couple of pairs of thick socks will need to be in your kit alongside any normal socks you might choose to pack. Survival clothing. Just as with your shoes, you need to make sure the clothes you pack are comfortable and that they will keep you warm and dry. For this reason, take clothes that are not too tight and are not prone to cause chafing. So breathable, quick drying, hard wearing materials are best. In cold environments, remember this saying, if you're wet, you're dead. If you get soaked, even if the cold weather is not extreme, it can be fatal. The moisture will wick the heat from your body and send you into hypothermia. And it's not only rain that can cause this. You can get wet enough with sweat to cause your core temperature to drop. To help regulate your temperature and stay warm and dry in cold environments, as well as cool and hot environments, it is best to layer your clothing in a way that you are carrying several light layers. This could be a couple of t-shirts and thin jumpers, which would be warmer and lighter than carrying one very heavy jumper. Waterproof clothing. Waterproof clothing can help keep you dry as long as you don't get too sweaty underneath it. It can also effectively protect you from wind, which can reduce the temperature you feel by one degree for every mile per hour it blows. This type of clothing can be expensive if you go for high-end breathable materials like Gore-Tex, which is a fantastic fabric, but it might be hard to justify the expense if they are going to spend most of their time in a bug-out bag or a car's emergency kit. To save money and space in a small bug-out bag or the emergency kit you keep in your car, consider a waterproof poncho. It is hard to go wrong with a waterproof military poncho. Not only will it always provide good breathability and keep you dry, as well as regulate your temperature, but it can also cover your equipment and be used as a makeshift shelter for a really lightweight kit. So using survival shelters in the wilderness. While you might have appropriate clothing as the first line of defense against severe temperatures, whether it is hot or cold, you should know how to create a survival shelter. A survival shelter is a more substantial way to seek shelter for warmth as well as a dry place to sleep at night or to provide shade in hot weather. Relying on man-made shelter options that may be part of your bug-out strategy, but it isn't always wise as you might not have any shelter accessible to you when the worst happens. Tents, tarps, and bivy bags all provide quick and easy shelter solutions but it is easy to lose your kit or to not have it with you in the event of an emergency. So let's take a look at what we can do for a shelter when we have nothing. Four types of survival shelters you can make in the wild. We all know how to use tents and tarps, but when we are in the wild with nothing but our bare hands, 
How do we make a survival shelter? Long before the invention of the internet, survival kits, or digital technology, many cultures thrived on constructing their own homes, shelters, and huts, all for different purposes, whether it be sleeping, community meetings, or religious purposes. In fact, there are tribes of people that still, to this day, live in shelters made with nothing but their bare hands and things found in the natural environment around them. Now, we're not saying you have to be be someone like that famous primitive technology guy and make an aesthetic town from sticks, but knowing how to build some basic, architecturally strong survival shelters will greatly increase your chances of survival in the wild. All right, just a, a quick note here, that primitive technology guy, um, there, I've linked to a lot of his videos on Prepper website, and uh, from what I understand, he was one of the first ones. I don't know exactly where he lives. Uh, I want to say Brazil, but maybe I, I got that wrong. But he does some really cool stuff. Uh, and there's been other people that have popped up. There's another guy. Um, he looks kind of Asian. I, I mean, I guess he is Asian. Um, and I'm not exactly sure where. But he has done some really cool things as well. Uh, and then uh, there's two two other guys, too. Uh, they look fairly Asian, maybe Filipino or Vietnamese. I, I don't know exactly. But uh, they've been doing some things as well. I've been seeing them pop up on Facebook uh, as people have shared some of those videos. But, uh, man, when you when you see them do it, um, I mean, it's a lot of hard work. Don't get me wrong. But if you were stuck like it was the poop hit the fan and you were out there, you know, in the wild and you knew you were never coming back or whatever and uh, you needed to build something you had all the time in the world outside of, you know, gardening and, and hunting or whatever you were doing, um, you know, it could be done. And watching some of those videos are just give you the ideas if i mean not that you're going to go out and maybe you want to practice i don't know but um they just give you the ideas of how to do it and uh it's pretty remarkable when you when you uh watch those videos and so uh they show you a lot in a little bit of time if you ever get a chance to do that it's definitely well worth it all right so let's take a look at these different shelters you can improvise from natural materials you might find nearby number 1 constructing a leaf mound hut while you are moving around, staying warm is relatively simple, but getting adequate sleep and rest in a survival situation is important too. On top of that, when you eventually get tired, you want to ensure you are able to rest without exposure to weather. Without that survival shelter, you could expose yourself to a greater risk to your health than just being locked in the wild, such as developing hypothermia. In a given situation, if you don't have a survival kit, you won't have the synthetic insulation provided by a sleeping bag or blankets. This means you would have to look elsewhere for that insulation. In temperate woodland environments, you can use leaves as a way to insulate temperature, whether wherein your body acts as a heater and you can capture that heat. A pile of leaves will keep you warm in an emergency. Simply crawling into a mound of dry leaves will be enough to keep you warm in extreme circumstances and dry grass is even better. To do this, you would need to insulate yourself thoroughly from the ground so your body heat isn't conducted away from you into the cold ground. Sure, this won't be as comfortable as a modern sleeping bag and blankets, but it would save your life if you are suffering from cold weather. You will need a lot of leaves and or grass, though, as the insulative material you collect and build your shelter with must surround you at least to the depth of your arms. Number two is an A-frame shelter, also known as a debris hut. A shelter with little more structure and architecture than a simple leaf hut is a survival shelter built using an A-frame base. 
If you are going on a survival wilderness course or any other outdoor knowledge school, making an A-frame hut will be one of the most common skills you will learn. It is very easy to use as a small survival shelter setup and can be magnified to create a much larger shelter for a family or group of people. As a Boy Scout, I remember putting up quite a lot of these shelters just as a race. They're that easy to do. So how to build an A-frame shelter? There are two important parts to an A-frame shelter. Without them, you simply can't build it. First, you need a strong spine branch. This will be either a thick or sturdy branch that will be longer than the length of your body. It will be what you lay under, essentially acting as the roof of your shelter. The other part is a stand for the head of the shelter. This can be a variety of things, but primarily two sturdy pieces of wood would be bound together at the top making an A-shape. The fork that opens at the top of the A-frame is where the top of the spine branch will sit. To bind the two branches together to form the frame, you can use bark skin peeled from fresh branches. The fresher, the fresher and greener the bark, the more flexible it has and the less it is likely to break. You can also use alternative roping such as vine or rope weeds. Once you have the base skeleton set up, what you can do next to have a stronger shelter is add rafters from the ground up to the ridge pole to support the debris, leaves, twigs, and other material, materials you will thatch your shelter with. These rafters must be sturdy enough to support the weight of the thatching. Once the rafters are placed, there should only be just enough room for you to squeeze into the shelter. If it is too large, not only will it take more time and energy to build, but there will be too much space inside of it. Having too much space if you are on your own is not a good idea, as you need to heat the space with your body. If the space in the shelter is too big, it won't retain the heat inside the shelter. You must thatch it at least to the depth of your arms to insulate it properly and to make sure rain doesn't get through. You should also make sure your rafters don't extend up above the level of the thatching, otherwise rain will run down them and drench you. Hey, just want to add a couple of little things here. Uh, first of all, um, you really want to come over to the uh, the article and you can see a couple of pictures here to give you an idea of what they're talking about. Um, the the other thing that I want to point out here is you want to throw uh, leaves down. So as you get your A-frame up and you're setting that up, you want to make sure that there's leaves on the ground on the inside. Because basically what you're doing is you're forming a cocoon around you. And so um, you're not looking for something spacious and a big old apartment like he was saying here in this article. You're wanting, you're wanting it to be, uh, you know, to basically close in around you so that you, uh, you're protected from the wind, you're protected from the rain, your body is given off heat and the leaves will kind of insulate that. And so you'll stay a lot warmer than if you were out there on your own. And so I uh, just wanted to kind of throw that out there to you. You're going to be, you know, surrounding yourself with leaves. And that's the, the whole idea there. Um, the other thing is, is that you're going to have to deal with bugs, right? So leaves have bugs. And so there's going to be bugs in there crawling around. You're just going to have to deal with that. It's going to be part of it. But uh, better to deal with bugs than to, uh, to die out there in extreme weather. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the third shelter. It's uh, making a lean-to shelter. In extreme cold conditions, your shelter may require small survival fire to keep you warm enough in cold conditions. This type of shelter is also a way to survive outdoors for if you need to survive for longer than just an emergency survival period. 
A large lean-to built with a steeply pitched roof made of sturdy logs and thatched with pine bows, an internal raised bed also insulated with pine bows to keep you off the ground, and a long log fire where the go-to shelters of the North American and Canadian foresters and pioneers. With this sort of setup, you could survive and do so in a relatively comfortable manner in extremely cold temperatures. These shelters are large and labor-intensive to build, but are absolute lifesavers in wilderness survival scenarios. However, the fire must be maintained properly, though even if it means losing out on a bit of sleep to keep it going. The roof must be pitched steeply to shed snow and sleet, otherwise the shelter might collapse and crush you. The inside of the roof also acts as a very effective reflector for the heat of your fire and will direct the heat back towards you rather than letting it dissipate out the back of the shelter. How to build a lean-to shelter To start, it is ideal to locate two trees that are at least your body length apart. Of course, you can choose to build a much wider one as most of the sizing will come down to how many people you are with. Remember, how we used an A-frame to to set up the last shelter, the A-frame shelter? Well, the exact same is done with the lean-to shelter, only you need to do it twice. You could also choose to use fork trees or trees with sturdy branch joins if you are able to locate them. This is to support a middle beam so that you can lay an angled wall into it. Once the wall is done, you can build in the sides so that you don't have cold air flowing through the sides. This would be covered with palms, bush leaves, or whatever other foliage is located in your area to stop wind flow gaps and leaking spots. The firewall forces heat to be reflected into the lean-to. This can simply be done by creating a wall where you drive four equal length stakes into the ground, creating a rectangle box and then laying green logs or branches into that box. This will act as a shield wall. Having a campfire in front of that will ensure that the heat will travel into the lean-to. How to make a wiki-up shelter, a wigwam hut. Shelter is important whether you are in cold or hot environments. When you are in a hot climate, it is easy to forget that shelter is important as while heat might not kill you quite as quickly as extreme cold, heat stroke can cause severe symptoms and if it isn't addressed can kill very quickly. Even sunburn can be extremely debilitating and lead to severe shock and in extreme cases without treatment can be fatal. As well as the direct effects of extreme heat, you have three days of survival without water before things go bad. When it's hot and you don't have shelter, those three days can be drastically reduced. Shelter in hot environments means shelter from the sun. Indigenous cultures in the U.S. and Australia made shelters called wiki-ups. The Australian indigenous shelter was called a humpy. These rounded shelters had a variety of functions that made them great structures. Architecturally, they were designed to withstand cold nights, provide shelters from the heat during the day with the cool earth, were waterproof and were often made large enough that a family could sit around a fireplace situated in the middle of a wiki-up. So making a wiki-up. These simple dome-shaped survival shelters are easy to make and a simple wiki-up can be erected in a matter of a few hours so long as you have some good thatching material nearby. Basically, the foundation of the wiki-up, the most important part, is done in two ways. Either sharpened tree rods are driven into the ground and are bent towards the top and tied together with weeds, fresh bark or natural vine rope, 
Using juvenile green wood is best as it will be able to bend without breaking, thus allowing you to create a more domed shape for the wikiup. Flexible horizontal pieces can be woven between the uprights, which strengthen the frame so that it can hold excess foliage to keep the weather out and the warmth in. I hope you enjoyed this post on traditional survival shelter methods. These shelters just go to show that you don't need materials to survive in the wild, and in fact, you can, if you have to, survive in the wild without anything. Of course, as you become more advanced with your bushcraft skills, you might learn new ways to create tools and other things that you would need to help you in your wilderness survival circumstances. All of these methods are once used by traditional natives from varying countries. When it comes to survival, there is still much we can learn about how to live off the land and not just survive, but live with only using natural resources. All right. So, you know, as I was reading this article, I was thinking back, there are a couple of uh, videos that I thought were pretty good. Uh, Sigma, I want to say Sigma six survival guys. Um, I think that's the, the name. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen an article from them, but uh, they did videos and stuff and they were pretty good. Uh, so I'm, I, if I remember correctly, there is one video that uh, I think uh, would be good to share with you if, you if you're interested in seeing a wiki up more. And I believe also uh, Creek Stewart uh, from Willowhaven Outdoors did a, a really good one on uh, on a wiki up and so i'm going to try to find those for you uh if if uh if i find them i'm going to link to them in the show notes i'm also going to link to the tag cloud shelter and shelters in um you know on prepper website if you're wanting to learn a little bit more about this i mean you might be somebody who does a lot of hiking that you're out there in the woods maybe you travel and uh for whatever reason and there's always that possibility that you break down in the you know in the middle of nowhere and you need to to kind of put put up some kind of shelter of course you always want to have some kind of materials with you but uh you know having some of these things in the back of your mind would be very helpful. So I'm going to go ahead and link to these. If you're interested, you can find out a little bit more information on building a shelter in the, in the wild. All right. So because this is the Thursday podcast, I do a conflicted scenario. And this one is entitled uh, Conflicted Out of Control Family Members. What would you do? And like always, this, uh, this scenario is uh, to make you just think a little bit, right? And use a little bit of critical thinking skills. Uh, you know, how you would come, you would go about uh, taking care of this scenario. And so uh, a couple of things, you can just kind of think it through and, you're, and then you'll be good and you've, you've thought it through. Uh, you can talk it over with someone that you trust and uh, maybe get their perspective on it. Or you can come, also come over to edthatmatters.com. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. And you can drop what you would do in the comments section and read what other people would do as well. There's always, uh, you know, it, it, well, it's always good to see other people, read other people's perspectives on uh, how they would deal with it. Because sometimes there's just, you know, other people have some great insight and perspectives on, on looking at things from different, different points of view. So this might be one of those where you might want to come read what other people are saying. And so uh, let's go ahead and read this one. Like I said, again, it's called uh, Out of Control Family Member, What Would You Do? After the collapse, a loved one ran out of mood-regulating medication and has lost it. She is frequently putting the group at risk by not obeying the general rules of the group and picking fights with other members. Tensions have built to the point where the rest of the group members want you to take decisive action and handle the situation. What would you do to restore order? All right, let me read it one more time for you. 
After the collapse, a loved one ran out of mood-regulating medication and has lost it. She is frequently putting the group at risk by not obeying the general rules of the group and picking fights with other members. Tensions have built to the point where the rest of the group members want you to take decisive action and handle the situation. What would you do to restore order? All right, so there's your uh, conflicted scenario for the week. And uh, like I said, you can uh, think it through, possibly talk it over with someone you trust and get their perspective or come on over to uh, edthatmatters.com and drop your perspective. You're in the comment section and then you can also read other people's as well. So everyone, that's it for episode 351 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to thepreppersitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.